Salted Carmel podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Carmel, Indiana, where we talk about individual faith stories. I'm Tom Honchak, Director of Adult Faith Formation, and with me is the co- our co-host, Jody Curtis, a parishioner of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And our guest today is Gabe McAfee. Gabe, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I went to Our Lady. I grew up in Carmel, Indiana with two great parents. I have five siblings in various places right now. Uh, I went to Indiana University once I graduated high school, and then I've been serving as a focus missionary, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, Um, and we serve on college campuses, and I've been doing that for the last six years after immediately graduating from college. And Gabe, do you even remember a time in your life before Christ? You know, that's a great question. I can remember times when he was very different in my life. Uh, when he didn't take on personhood, maybe. Super grateful for my Catholic education. Uh, I was actually just reliving it with with a student yesterday, and she was sharing about her experience in Catholic school. And it does take the individual, you know, to, I'm sure you hear that a lot echoed in the various stories, to really say yes to Christ. Um, But he was always the center of family life. Um, Very lucky to have a family that prayed together, had meals together, went to church together. There was never arguments on if we should go to church on Sunday. It was more an argument of when, 8 a.m. It's pretty early when you're a kid, but I think there's there's various point where, yeah, before really seeing the, the personhood of Jesus, I learned a lot about him. And so once... I was able to finally respond yes after his consistent knockings. Uh, It was like somebody had snuck in an amazing foundation because I knew how to have a relationship. I just hadn't maybe activated it in the same way as I'm choosing to live now. So was there like a concrete, like a specific moment or uh, an event that led you to changing that relationship from impersonal to personal with Christ? I would say maybe the first event of, of many that continue to to happen in my life. Well, it probably took place, well, it did take place my freshman year of high school. So I did transition. I went from Our Lady to Carmel High School. And even upon further, you know, after you dive into your own story, you realize a lot of different things about it more and more as Jesus is revealing to you, you know, exactly how he was laying down foundations and how he was bringing you into certain situations. But I think I relate to a lot of college students in that the transition from private small Catholic school to a school of, it's probably around 5,000 now, but I had a freshman class of 1,200, I think. It was a big change. And there was a lot of me that desired to reinvent myself, to be somebody new, and to create that person. And uh, luckily, my parents had a rule that since we weren't going to Catholic school anymore, we we could choose one one thing per week we had to do. So there was a Bible study at the time led by Deacon Paul Lensford before he was a deacon. Um, There was the youth group. There were retreats that we could do. And so I found myself on a retreat because initially my brother was going to go. Then he got to get out of it for some reason. And then... I'm on this like all by myself, uh, which was the perfect moment for me because previously 
it had probably been a month, maybe two, um, my grandmother got sick with cancer. Um, and so there was a lot that I really wasn't dealing with there. Uh, she probably is the reason that we have the faith in my family. One, two, she was, I was very close with her because I'm very artistic. And when my siblings would go to like those week camps and stay, I was a homebody and my grandma would come over and we would just do like art camp. Yeah, and she, she always inspired the arts in me, always encouraged them as well. So she was a visual artist um, and I tended just towards really anything, music and visual and audio. So I'm on this retreat and there's a moment of adoration where I say, you know, God, I, I know a lot about you, but I've never really talked to you. And so if you are who you say you are, then I want you to heal my grandma because I know that you take care of your children. Um, and that really was the first time, I think I authentically prayed, but that was the prayer. That was a, a huge moment of vulnerability because I just wasn't really addressing this elephant in the room. And she was pretty sick. I was already stage four by the time they had identified it. So I kind of half expected the clouds to open up and God could reveal himself. And then I'd say, sweet, you know, he's healing my grandma, but that wasn't actually the case. And I, I left that situation actually wondering, you know, is, is he actually real? Because I've learned about these things. And for the first time in my life, I don't have to believe it in the same way. And it wasn't ever oppressive or anything, but it just was the first time I had really thought that. But we go to, they had kind of like a snack before, like ice cream or something before bed. And it's kind of in this cafeteria. I don't even remember which parish we were at, but I'm talking to one of the youth ministers and, and for her sake, I'll, I'll keep her name uh, under wraps, but maybe some of you know who she is. And she was maybe a little more awkward than I had noticed adults to be. And not because of who she is, but she just seemed nervous. I definitely was a people watcher. And I'm thinking, why is this adult nervous to talk to a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid? Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. They were all so lively otherwise. And where they kind of ring a bell and they say, okay, it's time to go. And I'm like, well, it was great talking to you. And she reached across the table and she said, you know, Gabe, I... I actually, I was praying for you in there and I said, oh, thank you, you know, and she said, and I just received something from the Lord. Would you like to hear what, what God has to say? And I kind of had had it at this point because I'm thinking well, I'm ready for bed and maybe God's not real, so I should probably get out of here. But I've been to Catholic school and I know that they tell you, you know, God loves you, so I'll humor her and okay, sure, you know, what, what did God say? Um, and she said, God, God told me that it's okay for you to let go of your grandma and that he does take care of his children. And for me, even to share it, I can't even express exactly what that did to my heart because the first component, there was such peace in it's okay. Like I, I've got her and there was like assurance and there was great love. And then, yeah, really from, from there, she proceeded to say, God takes care of his children and as many times as I've been able to share that with people, I can't express just how Jesus was talking to me. He was telling me, I'm taking care of you. Like you aren't looking at yourself. 
at least in that, in that sentence, but I'm gonna turn it around and say, I care about you. And I, I mean, I was floored. Nobody knew my grandma was sick. Uh, it wasn't our family asked to just keep it between us. So it was, I mean, I just didn't know <laughs> that that was coming. Yeah, so from there, that was, I said a prayer that night that I would do my best to, to follow Jesus um, in a lot of different ways and started to learn to pray and, and chose to attend more things at the church and really, really make that the, the center of my life because I knew, I knew about him and he's powerful. He just erupted into my life. So I'm ready. Let's go. And yeah, there were definitely subsequent uh, moments, but that was really the first time that I remember saying yes. And then Gabe, how did that lead you to IU and then later on into uh, joining Focus? Yeah, the, the discernment to IU was very interesting. I remember I applied three places, Ball State, Indiana, and Steubenville. All of my siblings um, have gone to Steubenville other than myself. And I said, you know, Lord, I'm trying to follow you. Just deny me two places and accept me one. And that wasn't exactly how it worked out. And yeah, it was really a challenging time to decide between colleges. And, and I had a hard time even envisioning myself in college. But as I started to pray and, and seek good counsel through uh, the youth ministers and friends and family, I just felt this, this pull to IU. I, I would constantly go back to my junior year in high school. I spent a week down here with one of my friends because I wanted to see what it was like. And I just remembered everyone with headphones in, eyes down, walking to class. Um, and what a world that would be to live in right now, because they're not even out right now uh, as, as much. If we could just go back, pull those headphones out, back when they had cords, you know. But that was really how the Lord was developing my prayer. And... It wasn't so much a go here, but just that my heart started to expand. And then with that actually came, came my introduction to focus because I started to get scared actually of coming to IU. Uh, I had had friends who had come and left the faith while they were here. And that terrified me because of the God that I'd come to know. And I, I didn't want that. And I knew to stay close to the sacraments, but that was, that was really it. As far as I thought about evangelization, it was a lot of, well, just get ready to swing the bat. When somebody asks you how, why you're so happy, okay, I'm ready, let's go. But the idea of actually like bringing the gospel to somebody, of actively sharing my faith and inviting people into that was very different. And, and I live in a very different way even now. Although I think it was the desire. I think the Lord was building this desire because I would start to ask questions and, and all that. So I had given my affirmative to IU and my dad and I went on a retreat in Indianapolis, the Lions Breathing Fire. It's just like a men's retreat. And our founder, Curtis Martin, was there. And he was just giving, a, they were all talks on, you know, how do you live out this aspect of your faith? as a man. And his was on evangelization. 
And I just remember being in awe and just again struck being my heart was inflamed and just saying, I don't even understand half the things this guy's talking about, but I know that he believes it and I know, and he's telling me how to do it. So I, I went up to him afterwards and introduced myself. Hey, I'm Gabe McAfee. I'm going to Indiana next year. And that thing that you talked about at the beginning, he had referenced focus, whatever that is, can you bring that to IU? And I said, and then I'll, I'll come work for you. And he kind of laughed. Uh, and I said, I'm serious. I'll, I'll do it. And he said, okay. You know, and he, he introduced me to, they had some of the missionaries that were at Ball State at the time. And we kept in contact. And basically from, from my freshman year um, into my senior year, I, I knew I was, I was pretty set on being a missionary. Now there was some discernment along the way as well. but. Yeah, we didn't have focus while in my undergrad. Um, so I, once I was here, I was kind of trying to mimic the way in which we go about campus. I got in touch with a missionary and he kind of mentored me. Uh, we would call it like discipled with, he and I actually would call it like discipleship because it was via Skype at the time. And I was just kind of trying to mimic what, what focus was doing as well as working with the current campus ministry. And then it wasn't until my third year as a missionary that we actually came to IU. Um, and that was even just a blessing in general because it, a lot of my prayer was to get missionaries here to evangelize specifically my kin, but it was never that I would come back here. Um, and so now serving at my alma mater, it's just a blessing that I didn't even ask for nor anticipate. And it's been one of the greatest things in my entire life. And I just, I'm addicted at this point. It's my fourth year at IU and sixth year on campus. And I just love, love what I do, what I've been called to. Well, the students are lucky to have you there. I know you've been a great leader. So how would you describe what your life in Christ is like just on a daily basis? What's that look like for you? Well, life as a, it's, it's kind of interesting because I get the job title of missionary. And then I also get to live out my missionary call of baptism. But I would say the things that, that carry over to both ways of life, it's rooted in prayer. So my entire day, the first question is, when am I praying today? Uh, and that includes, includes mass. Um, so I do go to mass every day, provided you know we're in a space that, that can, as well as part of the call to be a focused missionary, you discern when you say yes, is to pray a holy hour every day. And so I hopefully in front of the blessed sacrament every day, um, but if not, at least an hour of prayer there and various commitments otherwise to praying the rosary every day for various intentions and meditating on the mysteries and even personal prayer commitments. So I'm part of, um, the Confraternity of Angelic Warfare, um, which is a prayer community established after St. Thomas Aquinas, um, and it's just prayers for properly lived chastity, and it's it's a great, great movement within, it's it's a Dominican thing, so you actually need a Dominican friar in order to, to bring you into the confraternity, and we're lucky we have those here at IU. You know, Gabe, at Our Lady, we like to say we're grateful no matter what. 
what what are you most grateful for? I would say that I am grateful really for the for the men that God has put in my life, both the men that have mentored me and the men in which I get to work with because there's something, you know, I spoke about vulnerability earlier in my own testimony and men in general have learned to not show that, right? Like to be vulnerable is to show the place in which you can be killed. And with any of that information, you can really hurt somebody. But one of the most beautiful things is to like, and be able to entrust that to men who are going to care for you, who are gonna lift you up, who are gonna be those men that lower you through the roof to Jesus when, when you can't stand and you just need their help. And I've been really blessed to, and I'm grateful for it, to have those men because there are times when you don't feel as grateful. That's why it's the, I can hear the no matter what because maybe they chastise you. <laughs> And even the men that maybe I don't even get along with as much actually provide for me a way to heaven that it's not as comfortable as the ones that are easier, but actually what they're giving me is, okay, I meet their inadequacies or they meet mine and it bothers us. And now I have an opportunity to say that I love Jesus more than I care about these things that could bother me. And then on even the positive side, though, you have these men that are praying for you, are in the fight with you, and are opening up, and they are easier to love. And they're also doing the same thing, that in either case, you have the opportunity to look them in the eye and, and share your love and admiration for them, and to have that be your prayer and love for Christ himself. So this is the Salted Caramel podcast. How do you, what keeps you saltier? What What's keeping you salty this week? You know, I hear that term a lot. I heard a lot recently where it, I don't know if it's as positive, but I would say what keeps me salty. I tend to like to, to the difficulty of things. So for instance, uh, the COVID virus, I think is challenging to like find what God is doing and so I would say that that keeps me salty because it makes one more step in anything that we're planning and all of these things. But I have to turn to God and say, okay, Jesus, what are you doing here? And be able to pray. And it gives me a chance to trust in a way that if things were going as normal, maybe I wouldn't notice campus as closely. And so it's probably that for better or for worse sometimes, but it definitely keeps me salty. Well, that gave that might be a good challenge for our listeners this week to think about challenges as opportunities for us to see God in in different ways or to take a different perspective when it's especially during these times it's easy to complain and wish away the year 2020 as opposed to thinking how can how can we look at this as an opportunity to deepen our faith life? Exactly. Yeah, I that just reminds me. One of my so we hired a woman as a junior hire, which means she'll be placed next year. So she actually has a, a part time job while she's here, and she got held up and said, "Oh, I won't be able to get here." And that's exactly what opportunity. All opportunities can be captive for Christ. You know, 
And so instead of saying, oh, I wish this was over, there's the opportunity to say, what's going on? <laughs> and at least ask that of the Lord so that in the hard times, you're actually being brought to Christ as well as in the, the good times. Well, why don't we close with a prayer? So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, the gift of Gabe and his story uh, and the encouragement that uh, he shared with us, Lord, in this challenge to find you working in our difficulties uh, and to turn to you and to trust in you. And we ask for that grace this week for all those listening to be able to turn and trust in you when we face challenging situations to see what you're calling us to. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gabe, thank you so much for joining us. Fantastic. Yep, so, it was great. Thanks yeah. a lot.